gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. So, I've got my wife Kate here, and I thought it would be kind of fun to talk about the TV end of things. We had nine seasons that we filmed and Kate was here for many of them. And we've met some interesting characters when we went to lodges and had some interesting times. Some good, some bad. We'll we'll have them all re- remain nameless. Yeah. But uh yeah, it was uh definitely definitely an interesting situation where you're out filming and going to different parts of the country. You don't always get what you think you're going to get. We'll no. <laughs> And we kind of took uh, what we learned in terms of what we liked and what we didn't like. And those are the things that we tried to implement when we were doing our own hunting lodge until it became too much to juggle between, you know, work and the dogs and everything else. And, you know, now the the hunting lodge is no more and it's just our private property. But yeah, the funny part about that, we had the hunting lodge and at a point we started it, we had 114 acres and now we have 300 acres and two different properties, we'd probably be much more, we, we, I know we'd be so much more better positioned to have a hunting lodge now with what I have because I have this fantastically cool property and we don't have a hunting and lodge anymore. And now it's just us. No, it's just a hunting property. <laughs> that's okay. And uh, I, I'd say these spoils of war uh, for all of the time that I put in uh, working 80 to 90 hours a week, I now have what could be considered by many too much property. But I don't think you can ever have too much of a good thing. No, I'm sure you don't think so. Um, it's your swamp and you love it and that's all that matters. I'm like an ogre. They call they could call me Shrek. I have very much swamp and uh, two different diverse types of swamp. And it's, it's, it's actually been very fun. But So anyway, we would always have at least probably around 12 trips a year that, that I would go on. Some of them I took yourself. Some of them I took the kids. Some of them I just went solo. Met a lot of different people, a lot of great people, and a lot of interesting people mm-hmm. along the way. Yep. And uh, like I, you know, like the Forrest Gump thing, you never know what you're going to get. You never knew what you were going to get. I don't even care if the, the, the lodge or the facility had a website. You still didn't know what you were going to get. You would roll up and sometimes it was... Like kind of night and day different to what you thought you were going to be staying in. You know, okay, come on out to our lodge. Okay, I'm thinking four walls and a roof and lodge might actually be a trailer on blocks. I mean, you know, your definition versus mine, but... I went on one hunt where I remember they were very proud of themselves because they had scraped the mold off the walls before we got there. (laughs) And I'm going, here, I've got allergies. I've got a kid along, camera guys. And I'm like, oh my goodness, okay, well, we scraped the mold off the walls. That's fantastic. Ooh, it's a good day. <laughs> uh, we went on one, I, I remember one we took you on, where 
we had the three kids along and we're at this uh, lodge. It was in, in, in the mountains. And they said, yeah, that the pictures are all worth $250,000 or more. And I looked at the kids and I'm like, don't you touch don't anything. Touch <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is not where I want to have my kids. Opposite end of the spectrum from mold on the walls to I am a grown adult and I don't feel like I should touch anything in this building. It was just stunning. It was like you were in somebody's luxury home. Yeah, it looked like a museum. It did. It very much with the, with, like the, a with the stuff that was on the walls. Yeah. And, and they had kids. The kids were like, come on, let's go play. And I'm like, don't touch anything. Don't touch anything. <laughs> don't listen to them. Don't touch anything. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was incredible. Yeah, for sure. Experiences um, of a lifetime oh, I, yeah. I, I, on so many things. And, you know, some of the probably, I guess, what, what could be considered the bad experiences were actually the funny ones that are the most memorable. I still remember trying to explain to one guide that we needed clean sheets and we weren't going to sleep on the same sheets as the last people. As I could see mouse poop on there. So I'm assuming they hadn't cleaned the sheets for quite a while. No, I remember I I fortunately had to work. I missed out on that one, but I remember you calling me and saying, hey, it's probably a really good thing you're not on this one. Like the bed linens are just not even clean. I remember when you and I went on one and the water was froze. There was no water at the place they were going to put us up in. And you had said when I was trying to explain to them that this just wasn't going to work, how the mice were racing around. You're keeping your feet up so they didn't run across your toes. Oh, yeah. I had to actually, fortunately, they had a bar height table in the kitchen. Um, And, yeah, the mice were running everywhere. And, yeah, the water had gone out on the facility. They hadn't used the facility since who knows when. That was the trouble. So they hadn't checked things to make sure, like, water and the sump and everything was working. So here we roll up, and that's where they put us, and, you know, they weren't prepared. So we got there late at night, and there was no water, Um, which I'm a lady, and it's easier for me to use a potty than anything else, particularly when it's very, very cold. Gentlemen don't mind necessarily going outside, but ladies do mind. So they're like, oh, well, we'll call a plumber in the morning. Mind you, how long have you been on the road? (laughs) So I couldn't use the potty. I waited and waited. It's, you know, the next morning, and it's like 8 o'clock. Now it's 9, 10, etc. I'm sitting at this bar tap height table in the kitchen watching the mice have races running around the place going, oh my gosh, where is this plumber? It was like noon before they finally didn't get a plumber and they moved us to a different location. So, yep, definitely interesting. And what always make it worse was I was very much known by my camera guys as not wanting to waste an ounce of time. So we generally would get somewhere at about four in the morning so we could go and hunt that day and we would drive through the night sleep in the truck or i would sleep they usually would complain they couldn't sleep it wasn't my problem i was paying them and uh we would get somewhere and yeah then the, that night you're like just dead tired and you'd get there and be like it was either oh my gosh this is so glorious or hey this is solid this is a great place or holy crap what are we staying in <laughs> right I think one of my favorites was um, a lodge that we stayed in uh, in Missouri. It was um, a relatively new establishment. Uh, they weren't even completely done with the construction. I remember there was still like furring strips and things they had to finish up. It was okay, you know. It was basic, but it was okay. Um, and you told them you were bringing your wife. You specifically said you were bringing a lady. You know, I assume you said lady, you know, and they thought wife, I hope, was a girl, right? But... <laughs> Uh, so when we show up, we were not the only group staying in the facility. This wasn't like a private cabin or anything like that. And comes to, 
they don't have ladies' facilities. They had a ladies' all. room. They had a bathroom. They had a bathroom, but no showering. The showering was like high school athletic locker room type showers. They were like public showers. Yeah, so I had to play thug life and stand outside <laughs> with like a club and tell people you're not going in there until I've, she's done. And I felt terrible because, of course, I'm the only girl there. And yes, I do need to shower at some point. But that means to the restriction of anybody else being allowed to use the facility while, you know, but you were quite popular. It was, it was quite popular. You Everyone uh, wanted to talk to you. I mean, you're the only girl there. I felt terrible. Like, okay, everyone get the heck out of here now. She has to shower. But I had no idea. We were never led to believe that there would be an issue with that. And I guess I just never thought there would be. But Some girls don't care. You're just... You're I'm such picky. a you're such a complainer. I'm picky. You're such a whiner. I was picky about the sleeping situation too. That was fabulous. Yeah, I told you, you that wasn't going to change. Make fun of me for that. Yeah, one. I told you that wasn't going to change. We had bunk beds, and our camera guy and my buddy Bill were there, and I'm like, yeah, well, you're, we're just going to have to deal with this. Throw 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 like a uh, sweatsuit on and call we it. We all hopped in the bunk beds. Oh, they were yes. separate beds. They were separate beds. They weren't all the same bed. And you all snored in different cadences, so it was perfect. Every single one of you. It was absolutely perfect. And I still snore to this day. But at least it's only one of you, not like three or four of you. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that that was not a lot of sleep. Some things had. you can't control, some things, and that's what we dealt with when we had our own place, was you can't control birds. And that was always the frustrating part for me, is you want everyone to have just this knockout, wonderful hunt. And I always felt so bad when things didn't always work out. We would actually do an upland hunt in the afternoon. And the nice part about that is it was release birds. So if we didn't have a, a, a great duck hunt in the morning, I would stick extra birds out in the afternoon for upland. So at least guys got to shoot their guns a lot. But yeah, you go places and certain places, it wasn't their fault. Certain places, they didn't scout. In certain places, they would have like one blind on like a 500 acre piece. And that's all they hunted was that one blind. So you would see birds. And they would just circle and circle. I always tell people, they people dream of going to Arkansas as their greatest hunt. And I said, man, Arkansas is the one state that I always had my worst hunts in. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of birds, but it seemed like every place that I chose, not every place, that's wrong. But it seemed like in a lot of places that I chose, they would have limited blinds on a great property and they would just pound the same line. So yeah, if you yeah. if you were if you were in an area where birds were not fresh, you had stale birds that had been there for several weeks. It was just watching birds circle, and they never came in. Yeah, they were they were wise. They were already wise by the time you got there. And you see that I see that at my own places, and yeah, I've got absolutely. multiple blinds at my place. And we had that this year toward the end of the year where the birds were just stale. They were like, yeah, we've been hanging out here, buddy, and we, <laughs> we know, know something <laughs> something doesn't look the same. And they just wouldn't come in. No. There's that. There's the weather. That a lot of times, particularly I remember a few at our lodge, it rained so badly, like pouring. I remember one time talking to the one group we had in, and it was just coming down. And I, I felt terrible. We felt terrible, you know. And I said, my goodness, could it possibly rain any harder? And it did. It like on cue just started hammering the roof even harder. I'm like, okay, I'm going to shut up now. Um, there was a hunt you went on in Louisiana. I think it was one of your last ones in Louisiana. It was like 103. Yes. And there was just nothing moving. Like 
forget it. You know, you guys ended up driving hours and hours and hours out of the way to try to chase down birds somewhere else. And those, those are the things that are completely out of your control. No one could have called that it was going to be 103 degrees and we and, wanna... and you got to keep that in mind when you go on a hunt and you go with a place. If they're working hard and it's just not meant to be, you can't be mad at the no. at the guide service. I, I mean, if you're staying at a lodge, my thing was always if it's clean and they have good food. Clean and well fed. That's what they can control. Yep. And it doesn't have to be gourmet food. No. But just good food that is good to eat and there's plenty of it. That's about all you can hope for. Mm-hmm. And those, yeah, those are the things that they can control. They can make sure it's a clean facility, that you have, you know, good food or whatever, that the camaraderie is there, that they've done their part to do the best they can, that if, you know, scouting was possible, that they did their scouting and things like that. That's the stuff that you can control. You can't control weather. You can't, you know, make a nice big, you know, 160-some point deer come in. I mean, you, there's nothing you can do about those types of things. So. No, my favorite hunts were always the upland hunts because... The Upland Lodges, uh, it seemed like they always had a lot of people coming because men, mo, all of them, all of them would re, would have release bird areas. So they would have a full schedule of people and they had figured out, you know what, if you want to keep people coming, we're going to feed you. We're going to have nice rooms for you that are comfortable and clean and you're going to see birds. So that was always, those were always my favorite hunts because there was never stress going to them. You always knew, all right, it's just a matter of keeping ourselves organized Working with the camera guys, having a plan, keeping the kids under control, and going out and putting birds on the ground. I think that's the thing that people don't realize about hunting shows. Or there's many things, but some of the things they don't realize is, one, it is definitely not glamorous. You know, like you said, you know, there's times where, you know, we have mice running everywhere and there's mouse poo in the bed. And you're driving through all night and you're eating out of gas stations. So it's not glamorous. Um, Two, a lot of times the hunting isn't so good because... It just happens that way for either a reason that somebody was responsible for or something completely out of their control. Um, you can go on what you think is going to be the hunt of a lifetime and maybe it doesn't pan out that way. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of things people don't realize, but the last thing would be the stress level. When you have a television show, you are not hunting for fun, not in any way, shape or form. You know, you are under the gun. You have only so many hours or days to get the footage you need to make that a hunt segment on your show, it's super stressful. It's not just like, well, I spent good money and took a couple of vacation days off of work and came out here. And if I get something, that's awesome. And if not, hey, I made a great memory. No, it's not really quite like that. If you don't get the footage you need, you're going to run short on footage for your episodes and that's going to screw up your whole season. So it's, it's a lot more stressful than just taking a few days off of work. But overall, the amount of people we've met that were awesome people that we got to work with that was our payment you don't make a lot of money but we had great experiences we've met some great people all over the country and that is what i take away uh my memories with the kids memories with you memories with friends that is overall what i'm going to take away not the stuff we got or the little bit of money we made but that was the it's just stuff that you, you, you will never forget. That was the experience. No, we're still friends with, you know, some of the people that used to be sponsors. You know, they're good friends. They're people we still hunt with and, you know, have them out to our, our place or go hunting by them or whatever. Um, people who've come to our wedding. Um, yeah, those are those are good treasured memories. Memories with the kids. Um, 
things like that. Our kids are so well-traveled. They've had such terrific experiences that, you know, people like my dad, you know, grown men who are retired haven't had the fortune to have that type of experience. So, Oh, I always told people, I go, on a, I go on a hunt of a lifetime, probably I was going where I would have a hunt of a lifetime like eight times a year. Yeah. And people just want to have that once or twice in their life or once a year. And I, it, it was spoiled. It's funny because now I just want to sit back and hunt my own properties and learn my own properties and try to have the best hunts I can on my own land. And I don't even care if I get a lot. To me, it's the challenge of can I produce something great for myself on my own property? And that is what I guess I am at. And it's funny because I've got people that will offer to have me come out and see them and hunt in, in different parts of the country. And I tell them no. <laughs> no, we're, we're at a different point. It's, it's just that phase of our life has passed. It was awesome. And we're very fortunate. We're very blessed to have had the experience. But yeah, we're at a different point where it's a different approach. It's uh, using the stuff we have and enjoying it and making the most of it and just relaxing a bit more. So I hope you enjoyed this part of the podcast. Stay tuned next for first our training tip and then we're going to have a hunting tip after that. All that and more coming up. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. six months since we started the podcast and I want to thank everyone that has made us so successful. We've started a Facebook group and it is called the Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast Group. Please invite five friends, just five, to that group and we will grow our podcast as well as that page. The page is there and that group is there so that you can put up your questions and things you want to hear in the podcast or questions about things you've heard in the past. So again, Invite a few friends for us. Let's grow this group. We're not doing this for the money. We're doing it for the love of the sport so we can get more people involved. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, welcome back to Sporting Dog Adventures. I figured it's close to Christmas, so let's go over some Christmas ideas for your dog that will help in their training. Now, having durable gear is one thing that I am a huge proponent of. I have DT Systems, Garmin, they have solid products. Find yourself a nice collar from there, and your dog might not be thanking you, but when you have more money to spend on in the future, they will absolutely appreciate it. As far as the other things you can get for your dog, I am a huge proponent of having vests for your dog, whether Upland and you have a blaze orange vest, or a neoprene vest for a dog when you are working with them in colder water. Find something that is built to last and that also doesn't have parts of the vest that will rub on their legs and create a raw spot on them. I've had that happen in the past from both types of vests where the vests were too tight in the dog's armpit area and it created discomfort and created something that we had to deal with in the future. So again, durability, 
vests, training collars, and you know what? Throw in one of those filled femur bones for your dog. They will love that. Have it so that they have a wonderful bone to chew on on Christmas. And then the cool part about those femur bones that are the white sterilized bones, you can still put things in them later, whether it's peanut butter, pumpkin, uh, we use baby food, uh, banana. You could put stuff in it later so that they can enjoy that bone until the following Christmas. I hope that helps. Stay tuned next for our hunting tip, which will be a Christmas idea for the hunter and your family. Coming up after this. This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Welcome back to the show. A hunter in your world needs a Christmas gift. What to get them? I have really enjoyed having electric vests, heated vests, and an electric heated coat. Durability, again, is key. I like the Milwaukee brand. They've worked really well for my family. But nothing feels better than when you get a chill in you to turn on that heat and just feel it envelop your body and warm you right back up. I like the vests that have the heaters also in the neck so you can zip it all the way up so it's tight and holds your body heat in, but also has a warm spot around your neck. And then you want to make sure it's got nice large panels for your back and on your chest and your, your midsection. Again, a heated vest or heated coat for the hunter in your world, you can't go wrong with that. Now, I know they've got heated gloves, they've got heated pants, uh, they've got heated socks. I do not have any of those. I'm planning on getting some to try. I'm thinking that probably going to try like a heated waiter uh, type type of a, a uh, pant, but those might be great too. But again, I don't have any knowledge on them, so check, find good products so that you're getting something that's good and durable and you can use it multiple times. But nothing says I love you more than warmth when you're out there hunting. I still look at what my kids have for hunting gear as opposed to what I started with. And the number one complaint I always had was that I was incredibly cold. So warm them up, find a good heated product for your hunter for Christmas, and they won't be disappointed. Thank you so much for listening to today's show, and I do appreciate it. I hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, and God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here and